Good evening, everyone. We're broadcasting live. How's the sound? Is that too loud? Someone said it was too quiet last night, so I'm trying something louder. Is it distorted? I can't tell. Anyway, so tonight's quote is a really good one. It's about treatment. Yathapi vayadito puriso vijjamane tikichake natikichapeti tang vyading nadoso so tikichake you see, it's poetry. Just as with a, a sick person who knows they are sick, right? Vijjamane, just a second. Oh no, Vijjamane is uh, when there is a tikichaka which is a physician, someone who treats sickness from the verb tikichati. Just as with a sick person, when a physician or a doctor is there, but he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the doctor cure him. It is not the fault of that doctor. Ewang, even so, Kilesa Bhyadi Tukito Pari Pilito. For one, for those who are sick with the defilements, with greed, with anger, with delusion who suffer, who are feverish. Nagawe sati tang acharyang, who don't seek out a teacher. Nadoso so vinayake. It is not the fault of the one who would lead them out, the vinayaka. The one who would free them from defilement. This is from the Jataka. I'm not going to go through the Jataka. In fact, it's part of a larger quote. But uh, not important. What's important here is the... This is a good quote. We, we sometimes put too much of an emphasis on a teacher. Someone came recently to see me and said he was looking for a good teacher. And I said to him, well, that's not the most important thing, actually. The most important is the good teaching. Can you say it's important to have a good teacher? Yes, it's important. But it's much more important to have a good teaching. The real focus should be on the teaching. And ultimately, because if you have a good teacher teaching you the wrong thing, it's even more dangerous. 
because they're so good at teaching something wrong that you go go the wrong way even quicker. And in the end, especially in this teaching, a teacher can only go so far. I get questions. People ask me questions, send me questions. And some questions you just can't answer. Many questions. Many questions people are asking. You know, questions how to solve their problems, questions what is... Someone was saying, what is it like to perceive Nibbana? Or what is it like... What, what, no, what is it like to... What is the perception of a Sotapan? How can you answer that? You could. You can answer to some extent, but I get... I look at these questions and think, no, this isn't to come from a teacher. These questions have to come, the answers have to come from practice. The fact that we're asking questions is sometimes a sign that we're not really practicing. What, I, what this is leading to is that the teacher only shows the way. Akata rota tagata, even the tagata, the Buddha, is just one who shows the way, who points the way. It's up to you. The, uh, the work must be done by you. And uh, so we have to see this in meditation. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. The teacher doesn't have any answers or tricks or means. The best a teacher can do is encourage you. And that's good. It's good to get encouragement. But in the end, even that is a crutch. Even that is something you have to outgrow. You're completely alone in this practice. It'll make you cry. You know it's good if it's, if it's bringing you to tears with the frustration and just being overwhelmed by the enormity of the problem that you have in your mind. Blood, sweat, and tears. It really... And it's not even a difficult thing. All you're doing is walking and sitting, right? It's not like that should be difficult. But that's the point. It's all about you. It's about your sickness. If you're sick, walking and sitting is painful. When you're sick with defilements, equally so. If you're sick with greed, with anger, with delusion, just sitting still is problematic. It's difficult. It's unpleasant. So the, uh, the doctor is there, the doctor is telling you what to do. If you don't do it, if you don't practice, if you don't cure your sickness, not the fault of that doctor. That's not actually what this quote says. It says if you don't seek out the teacher. So it is actually putting emphasis on the teacher. I kind of misinterpreted or reinterpreted it. So there's even even a bigger fault would be if you didn't seek out a teacher. Absolutely. If uh, the teacher is present and if you don't listen to them, that's more important. You don't follow their teachings. But, right, so actually what this quote says is for those people who don't ever think to come and meditate, People in the world who are suffering from stress and anxiety and 
Where do they turn for a solution? They turn to pills, they turn to drugs, alcohol, they turn to entertainment, they turn to diversion, they turn to work or something, anything to avoid having to deal with the problem. They hear about meditation, they hear about the Buddha, they hear about Buddhist teachers and so on. They don't understand the use. They can't. Sometimes don't even know that they're sick. I think there's more to this than that. You, I mean, in the context of a monastery, it makes good sense. You've got monks in the monastery who never go to see the teacher, who never go to ask for advice, who never go to undertake a meditation course. But I think the 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 deeper meaning or the deeper point has to be made is not enough to go and see the teacher, it's not enough to to listen to the Buddha's teaching. If we don't put it into practice, it's useless. And the corollary there is that it's going to be tough. It's not something someone else can do for you. The teacher can't help you much. There's not much that can help you. There's not much that you can use as a as a, a trick or not to make it easier. In fact, just trying to make it easier is a problem. Trying to make it more pleasant, more stable, more uh, agreeable just makes it harder in the end, makes it less effective. What we're looking for is something called anulomika kanti. Kanti means, uh, means patience or forbearance patience really and anulomika means uh, loma is the grain anu means with the grain so patience that uh, accords with well not even just re with reality but also with the path what it means is is in line with uh, well in line with the truth i guess would be the best way to put it Meaning when you experience something, you have patience. And your patience is, uh, is what brings you in line with the truth. Because without that patience, you have judgment. Rather than seeing things as they are, you think only of what they should be, what you'd like them to be. The change you wish they were, you wish you could enact how you'd rather they were. So what you want, what you don't want, your urges, your desires, your needs, that kind of thing, rather than just seeing things as they are. So we need patience. That's the biggest one. And it comes with practice. It comes with taking the regimen that is given by the teacher Right. So that's my take on the quote, and actually it's not quite what the quote says. It's from the Jataka, so it's one of these past life stories. And there's definitely that aspect. You know, How many people don't even think to come and do a meditation course? You would never think, here we've put up, I've put up these online meditation courses, and they're mostly empty these days. 
And uh, I don't know how well they're received. I'm not giving that much on them. I just gave you the next exercise. But it puts the onus on the meditator. You have to do the work. I'm not going to give you much. All I give you is the next exercise. It's either you do it or you don't. But we don't see a lot of people in these days even coming to meditate. Relatively speaking, it's, it's not... Uh, not as hugely popular as one would hope. You know, we're very good at going to the doctor for our physical ailments, but we're not so concerned about our mental ailments. We go to we go to a, a physical doctor for them to fix our brains, thinking that the brain is the problem. What is the brain? The brain is just a bunch of fat and and cells. There's nothing in the brain. Just a, just a mindless organ. You dump more chemicals in it, just mixes up. Mixes up with the chemicals. It's not the answer. So, few are those who Few are those who are even stirred by things that are stirring, who are moved by things that are moving, who are upset by things that they should be uh, agitated by. But even fewer are those people who once they've been moved to action, actually do act, actually do go and find a teacher and listen carefully and appreciate and, and retain the teaching and then actually put it into practice. That's where, that's where the cure is. It's quite simple. So anyway, that's the quote. Some things to think about. Don't neglect going to see teachers, but uh, my addition is, don't place too much emphasis on the teacher. Do the work. That's all there is to it. A lot of people just like to listen to talks and read books. Yeah. It's very hollow, very empty in the end. Doesn't fill you up with wisdom. Okay, so what do we have? Questions. Is there a difference between karma and superstition? making assumptions. It seems a lot of time people can use the law of universe karma past actions to do evils and make excuses for their own actions. Hmm. You made me do this, or you used to used to be like this, so it's your fault, and I'll do my best to make your life a living hell. <sighs> yeah, well, there's lots of misunderstandings about karma. People have all sorts of ideas. But, but you're getting onto something which is important, is that anyone who thinks they know cause and effect, of, you know, the nature of karma is, is deluding themselves, unless they're a Buddha. Uh, it's very complicated. So no one can say this is the reason why you're like this, that is. We get a general sense, and, and that general sense is you know, sort of holds up, but it's not sure. We can still only guess and estimate. Like if someone is born sick, well, there's often a reason a mental reason for that they were they were the mind that came into the womb was messed up and so it 
it uh, got messed up. It messed up the fetus, and and not only that, but it, it was drawn to a potentially problematic situation. It all came together wrong, which is karma. So we have this general idea that that this is the way things go. But to actually understand how it works, it's not even necessary to understand how it, how the intricacies of it go. Like, what is the cause of this? What is the cause of that? It's just under. It, what's important about karma is to see how your uh, mind states affect the next moment, affect your mind, change your mind. You know, when you get greedy, what is that like? When you're angry, what's the result of these things? When you're mindful, what's the result of that? And to understand that they change you. Our good and bad deeds change us. They're habitual. They 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 make their mark. They leave their mark. On us. So that's uh, karma's our our the important like the general sort of folk understanding of karma is useful to understand evil leads to evil, good leads to good. Uh, but but it, it it's, it's very general and, and vague. As meditators, what's important is this momentary understanding. When you watch your body and mind, and you see how they interact and how they change based on your actions. During sitting meditation, there might occur a loss of any definitively clear thought. There's awareness of tactile sensations and various ambient sounds. Got a chaotic stream of extremely brief images. It becomes necessary to arbitrarily return to the clear thoughts of the rising and falling. Hmm. Um, they can be physical. It can be mental. You're not always going to be able to be mindful, clearly. Um, for our purposes, the only thing we have to uh, concern ourselves with is once we realize that it's happened. If you realize, well, I was kind of dazed there. Or when you realize, wow, my mind is kind of cloudy is to say to yourself, you know, feeling, feeling, or knowing, knowing, cloudy, cloudy even, uh, unclear, so on, confused. To pick, to, to, and that creates clarity as you do that. So don't just return to the rising and falling of the abdomen. Try and be aware of your mind state. In doing that, you'll, you'll create clarity based on it. But what's causing them? I mean, those kind of questions, again, it's like trying to understand karma. They are, uh, and this is trying to, it, it is what it is, basically. And from a Buddhist point of view, we're not concerned about some kind of explanation of what it is. It's an experience. It's impermanent. It's unsatisfying. It's uncontrollable. That's, that's all we need to know about it. And so by, by, by the, cultivating this remembrance, reminding yourself it is what it is, you'll get that clarity of mind.
Any thoughts on explaining memory since things are impermanent? Where and how does the memory of them remain? Nothing remains, everything arises and ceases. Memory is like an echo. That's it. And it's a very complicated echo, or it's um, it's like a um, the ripples, the changes that something makes, and when you apply the mind to that, there's the imprint in the universe, really. I mean, uh, everything is, it's all one thing. And the universe is one thing, so when something changes, when something occurs, it changes everything else, and you can see the echo or the imprint of it. You can, you can, you know, much of this goes on in the brain. The brain is imprinted by experience. The brain doesn't store memories. The brain is just cells. It's, it's proteins and fats and blood, and that's what the brain is. But it's able to, uh, to, to store changes. You know, an echo or an imprint of the experience that the mind then accesses. And it creates a new experience, which is like the old experience. That's how memory occurs. I mean, it's basically just how you think it occurs. There's nothing special about it. But, uh, right, so, but as far as impermanent, so if you're talking about from a momentary point of view, Everything is, you know, it's, it's still just cause and effect. It's one thing after another. And it's complicated enough to store as memories, meaning to give a new experience that is like an old experience. So one experience causes an experience that is like that. And then also the, the knowledge, this is like that, which is sanya. But, not, but again, knowledge of how things work is not so useful. What's important is that they do what we're seeing, how they work, seeing the way that they work, and understanding why they work that way. I can't wrap my head around the scientific certainty of the idea of reincarnation. Scientific certainty of the death of the universe, it is once all the stars burn out and all energy is lost. Well, you know, all energy is not lost, but uh, energy is just a concept. It's just an, a, a word that we use to explain well, something that we're experiencing, actually. Um, some orderliness, some aspect of the nature of reality. Um, but you know, I've I've talked about rebirth a lot. It's it's not that we believe in reincarnation; it's that we don't believe in death. Death is just a concept. When you die, the mind and the body experience doesn't cease; experience just continues. There's no scientific certainty of it until you see it for yourself. When you when you're reborn, then you'll have certainty of it. I mean until you forget it, until you lose the, because you don't have any of the echoes reminding you. It's very hard to remember past lives. Yeah, for humans anyway, because we, we're, we're caught up in these cycles of birth. Not like an angel or something or God. 
there's there so it's more smooth to transition but for us the new brain is is quite new so all the old imprints that create echoes of past lives are gone it's not about certainty it's about understanding the nature it's about argue it's, it's basically logic that the idea that there's death is is uh, is what's uncertain is what there, there's no real good evidence for death except obviously it appears that that the body has stopped working but uh, from a point of view of experience that's the body didn't exist in the first place there's only experiences and they continue on the only time they die is if you attain nibbana I'm glad some people are appreciating the online course. It's a shame not more people join up, but it's okay. Maybe once I get back from Thailand and Asia. So this Saturday, we have the Big Buddha's celebration, and then next week I'm off to Thailand and Sri Lanka, and maybe Taiwan, actually. Looks like I may possibly take a trip to Taiwan, but nothing certain yet. And I'll be back... July 1st, I think, and then we'll start. No, before July 1st, uh, May 29th, maybe. Anyway. So, that's all for tonight then. Thank you all for tuning in. Wish you all the best.